Well, I don't know much about what is happening on a daily basis. Uh, Sometimes I don't even know what day it is, but I do know that the NFL is determined to start its season on time. You know, the economy is getting back underway as well, and with it, the world of pro sports. And we know the NFL will continue to roll down the hill as fast as it can. So stay ahead of the curve with the unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering developments across finance, economics, technology, and sports. That's right, guys. I am extremely excited to share that you can subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already a The Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, you can receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. I am extremely excited about this partnership. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Welcome once again to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? Doing well, Jordan. I'm not very good at math, but but I can see, I can look at a calendar. <laughs> I, I can do that okay. And I can tell that we are one month away from what we hope will be the Rams season opener. That feels really close, doesn't it? I mean, after this this long period we've gone with no football and it's only a month away, does it even feel realistic? You know what I was thinking about today, other than trying to determine what day it actually is, which I usually count on you for, for assistance in that regard? Right. Um, what, like, I have not seen a football field since January. That's right. That's insane to me. Like normally, I mean, this is just so wild and then won't see one um, here for another several days because, uh, you know, media will get access to training camp when players start the, you know, one of the later phases of the onboarding, which is, you know, they can actually um, clang against each other. They can do drills. They can scrimmage those types of things later in the month of August. But I was just thinking that will be my first time seeing a football field since January. And I, you know, I, I got a little emotional, Rich. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, this is this is very unusual. Imagine how it feels for the players. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that they've been working out. Uh, I know who was it? Cooper Cup was talking about getting kicked off of fields all over all over Ventura County trying to get work. But uh, this is not usual for them. I mean, you usually, even if you take some time off after the season, you're, you're back on the field again uh, in a little while. So yeah, it's just, I can't even remember the Rams last game. I know I covered it and I, I know it was at the end of December, but uh, I have a vague memory of being at the Coliseum and thinking this is the last time we'll, we'll be at the Coliseum, uh, but uh, hard to, hard to imagine uh, that that just a few weeks from now that uh, they'll be back playing for real and playing at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, and you know, as we have covered it previously, um, even with all the uncertainty surrounding college football right now, the, the NFL is determined to have a season on schedule. Now, it will start on time. We don't know if it will finish on time. <laughs> we, we just, um, because there's some options here um, that the league has discussed where there could be some contingencies of, you know, you you take a pause if if people are getting sick or if like a whole team tests positive or 
certain things like this that you're unfortunately seeing in baseball right now um, in a non-bubble situation, and you then have to maybe cancel or postpone a couple of games, well, as long as the league can do that in a way that also provides parity, I think that they're going to attempt to do that. So we might not see the end of the NFL season finish in you know January, February. You might have like Easter Super Bowl Sunday, for example. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just going to be, it's just going to be really weird. But we, you know, the, the other thing is like the news cycle keeps, keeps churning. I mean, things are happening, happening. The guys are all, you know, in the big tent, which I get so much enjoyment out of thinking about this massive open-sided tent and Sean McVay says air particles, you know, every other word. And it's just the, but the news cycle keeps churning, Rich. Yeah, it, it does. It's, and it's surreal, but yet uh, I have to imagine, and even, you know, reading some of the comments from, from players and that it, it feels pretty normal for them. You know, I, I guess once you get in that atmosphere and you're, uh, you know, on the field and going through practice, it, it's probably the most normal thing that they've done, you know, for, for six months or, or whatever it's uh, coming up on now. But uh, yeah, it's, it is uh, to think about, you know, jobs and, and training camp battles and, and, you know, position battles, things like that. It's, it's a normal training camp and all of this is just condensed mm-hmm. and, and even more intense. And Jordan, I know we, we got a big uh, piece of news just in the last couple of days here, right? Yeah. You know, the, the news of Sean Robinson, defensive tackle who was brought in this spring because the Rams thought that they had lost Michael Brockers in free agency. Um, he, they, in sort of the standard physical process, they found a cardiovascular condition. And the good news is he will not have to have a procedure. Also good news that they caught it, obviously, because um, sometimes these things, they do pop up. I remember in Carolina, I covered a player, Curtis Samuel, they found an irregular heartbeat um, and it was his fourth season. So, or excuse me, his his third season. So even with all of the physicals that these guys take throughout their career, sometimes these things pop up that different eyes on them find, or there's some symptoms that come up that you notice that maybe are concerning and you look into it. And so, um, you know, they, they did some further investigation on this condition and, and they, they put him on, you know, the NFI list, which is unique in itself. And we'll get to that in a minute, but, um, you know, he's expected to miss a large portion of the season. Um, he will, you know, the Rams are not going to cut him, but they will, you know, he has, he's on a two-year deal and, you know, there's a lot of discussion going between, you know, Rams personnel guy, Tony Pastors and um, Sean's agent, Sean Kiernan, to try and figure out, like, what, how is, how are we going to make this work? How can we make this work? Because, you know, not only is there a massive amount of dead money, if you, if you cut him, it's almost $10 million added to the dead money. Um, but he also, his contract's backloaded. So it was kind of a, win-win if this situation has to happen finding a compromise where you can still pay him his base salary which you don't have to do if you're on an NFI list but the Rams are going to do they're going to pay him his his base salary and then keep him on the NFI list so that they can get him back without using one of their injured reserve spots if that makes sense Rich and it's it's complicated because all of these different lists get so confusing for for fans but there's um there was a very navigate navigable way to get through this in this case which with everything else going on that's so um vague and generalized in terms of covid precautions and things like that i gotta think that having an actual solution and a you know we know what's wrong we know he's going to be okay 
um, you know, if you have to be in that situation, there was a solution, there is a solution for it. Yeah. And I think you said it exactly right there. I mean, you, first of all, you hope Sean's, you know, okay. Um, mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, privacy concerns, obviously Sean McVeigh didn't want to go into specifics. Um, but you were able to find out through your reporting that is a, a cardiovascular issue that that could mean a lot of different things. And, uh, you know, certainly what we hope is that it's not something, uh, serious and, and from mm-hmm. what the Rams are saying, it sounds like he could potentially come back this year. So, speaks to what you just said, Jordan, is if you can avoid putting him on IR, you you definitely want to. Uh, if there's any thought that he might be able to come back this year because you only get so many spots there. The Rams ran into this, I think it was last year, uh, where you know they were in a position where they had guys who maybe could have come back, but you were only able to bring two of those guys back. Right, um, exactly. Off, off, so you don't want to start you know loading up that list if, if you don't have to, uh, especially, I think, Jordan, in a year where we don't know. You know, the guys are just getting out on the field, kind of running around. We, we talked about them not being on the field at all during the offseason. We don't know, and hopefully, knock on wood, this won't happen, but you don't know how many hamstring injuries you're going to get, you know, these, mm-hmm. these soft tissue issue, uh, injuries early in the year. Uh, so, so you don't want to be kind of loading up that that IR list right now if you don't have to. So I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a good sign that, uh, they, they didn't feel it was necessary to do that right now. They're going to keep their mm-hmm. options open a little bit. And then the other positive to this all this, Jordan, is I, I know you're, you're very well aware, is uh, you know the Rams got some depth at this position. So if, right. if there's an if there's a position where they can kind of you know handle it in, in the short term, this is this is probably a good one. Yeah, there's an immediate reaction of oh no, obviously when somebody receives that sort of diagnosis, I think then there becomes some relief because first of all, you know, he's okay. And you know that he's not going to need an operation or anything to rectify this issue and this condition. It's something that he can work through and manage. So those are two very good things. And then as kind of in Sean McVay's words, thank the Lord when evaluating, you know, they did get Michael Brockers back. And that was something that was totally wild because they did not think he would come back and therefore they go out and they shine, they sign a Sean and they do have him back. And literally Sean McVay, we, we asked him about it this, uh, you know, in his press conference this week and it's like, Hey, you know, what's it like actually being able to have Michael Brockers in a situation like this? He literally goes, thank the Lord, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's, they were going to figure out how to get both of those guys on the field as much as possible. But you also have, you know, as your contingency plan, quote unquote, you have a guy who you are super familiar with. It's not going to be really any sort of a drop off from years prior. That's right. And uh, that's why I think, you know, people ask, well, why did you bring back Michael Brockers? I mean, they, they didn't want to lose him. I mean, we don't need to go kind of, you know, rehash the entire offseason and how much money they had to spend and all that. But, uh, you know, the, the, the contract that Michael Brockers initially signed with Baltimore or agreed to anyway, um, that wasn't feasible for the Rams. So they, they didn't want to lose him. But it just wasn't going to work with those kind of numbers. So then when, when that mm-hmm. falls through with the Ravens, and they're able to kind of resume those talks and find out, okay, we can kind of bring him back 
uh, at a number that's a little more palatable, then then it, it just made sense. And and that's the sort of thing where, you know, how is it going to work? You sort it out. You figure it out because they, they really did value Michael Brockers uh, for what he meant to that room, what he meant to the, you know, the leadership group and, and everything else. So I, I think from the Rams perspective, it's, yeah, maybe in March, we don't know exactly, you know, how this is going to sort out, but but we'll figure it out. And because we want that guy uh, in our room and, and now, now it's going to work. So Jordan, the thing I'm curious about is how exactly this looks on the field. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I know, you know, like you said, we'll, we'll be getting you out there at, at practice to really get a look at this thing for the first time. Um, we know Aaron Donald's going to be there. That's <laughs> you can, you well, can go naturally. ahead and ink that one in. Uh, but uh, how does the rest of that line sort out? I mean, they've got some options. They've got some really versatile guys. And I'm really curious to see how Brandon Staley uh, uses these guys. Yeah, you know, I really think you're going to see some similarities now because when you had Michael Brockers and a Sean Robinson, you you could do a little more creative things in terms of alignments because you have those two kind of like space eaters um, who can, you know, at least one of those guys could shift out to a three technique if if he needed to. Um, and so you, you have these this this versatility and these options. But now you might see this front look a little similar to um you know, Wade Phillips last year. And, and you, you might see, uh, in, especially in terms of um, the snaps that guys are getting. So I think this is a really big opportunity. And I hate, let me, let me just pause because I hate, I hate saying opportunity when it comes to someone else's injury and we get yeah. conditioned in that in football. So listeners, I'll, I'll wear a rubber band on my, around my wrist next time and I'll snap it next time I say opportunity. But anyway, it, this this now means that Sebastian Joseph Day will be following a, a pretty strong um, you know, first-year campaign into this season. And so that that I think is really important. Now, the thing is though is is it's going to look somewhat similar, but they need to be more productive in terms of freeing Aaron Donald from the double team. So I think when when you get into the creativity of of Brandon Staley, you're going to see a different rotation. You're going to see, um, you know, I really do think he's going to try to move Aaron Donald around a little bit more just to kind of counter some of these doubles that they'll try. Other teams will try to throw at him um, because, you know, you can never really, really take him out of the game. But teams started trying to scheme him to minimize or to lower his impact. And that's something that if you have the same personnel, you better hope that they got, you know, bigger and stronger in the offseason. Yeah. And then also that you are going to scheme them up a little bit differently um, to free your guy who like eats quarterbacks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about that. Sebastian Joseph Day, I think kind of the hinge uh, guy here, you know, like you said, played well, I think is uh, probably played more than, than a lot of people expected last year too, uh, in his first year uh, as a starter, as a first year as a, uh, kind of full-time contributor. So if he can take a step forward, then uh, that's big. And uh, like you said, uh, you know, freeing Aaron Donald up so important. Uh, that that first layer of the run defense too, really important. You know, I think Michael Brockers is a little underrated in, in that area. A lot of people just kind of looked at his sack production and, and things like that. But uh, there's there's more to the position uh, than that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other guy, uh, you know, your one of your favorites, the log the log workout man, uh, Greg Gaines. <laughs> you know, this uh, again. You 
you don't you don't I'll, I'll snap the the virtual uh, uh, rubber band on my wrist uh, you don't you don't want to look at it as any kind of positive but uh, you know you you only deal with the situation you're given and mm-hmm. uh, the situation that Greg Gaines is given here is he's now going to have a chance and and certainly a greater chance to to get into that rotation to prove that he can you know earn a percentage of those reps uh, that that Ashawn Robinson probably would have filled. So he he's another guy, a young guy who's really going to have to step up and and prove that uh, that he can earn a, a spot on this defense. Yeah, and let's be clear too. Like you're not just missing Ashawn Robinson for a couple of games. You're probably going to miss him for at least half the season minimum because if he starts the year on NFI, which he will, um, then you know you there's a time mandate on that. You you can't start practicing with your team until six weeks after the start of the season. And then you still have to miss, um, you know, eight weeks. So that's something that, you know, they're not going to see him for a while. So again, this is a time when the back half of the season, like we kind of are talking about in all phases of what's happening in football will look so much different than the front half. Um, but at the same time, um, you have now this window for guys like Greg Gaines, um, to gain steam. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I need a bigger rubber band for that. <laughs> it's I don't need a rubber band. I need a mallet. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Like it's this is the window, this this first eight weeks, and and not just for this position in general, but all across the board because things are so unprecedented and you're not just late and onboarding everyone, but now you have these gaps to fill and you need to figure out how you're gonna fill them. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. You know, the Rams had their uh, their virtual tailgate the other night, and I uh, heard you know one comment that Les Snead said is that uh, he he actually thought that the practice reps were more important than the preseason games. I found that interesting. I don't I don't agree or disagree with him. It just it, it had I didn't really ran it through my my brain uh, like that. But but he kind of put it as you know it's it's a little more kind of uh, focused and. Uh, the players are doing kind of what the, the coaches asked them to do. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe not as big of an impact as, as we thought. Kind of thought, you know, not having those four preseason games would kind of minimize the opportunity for some of these guys to really shine. But uh, I, I guess what it does, uh, at least in, in Les's mind and in Sean McVay's mind, is it means you better show out every single practice. You can't take one practice off. You can't, you know, have bad drills or anything like that because every one of those practices is going to be scrutinized probably twice as closely as it normally would. Mm-hmm. I guess you would say uh, less is more. <laughs> <laughs> That's two. <laughs> After the break, we are so excited to bring you episode three of Gridiron Gumshoes, where we continue to follow the training camp journey of player X. Rams fans, we want to tell you about a great deal you can get with Fubo.tv. Sports are coming back. It's great to see it on the screen, and there's no better way than to sign up with Fubo.tv. All the channels, more than 200 channels, including all the big sports networks, and it's a great deal. You can get the family plan. Three people can watch it once. Two screens at once on the standard plan and a seven-day free trial. You have to check it out, people. All the local broadcast channels, and we know it's a tough time financially, but if you want to save money, $50 is a lot more affordable than what the local cable providers are going to ask from you. With the NFL season around the corner, Fubo.tv will not disappoint. 
Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as the local broadcast news. So go to fubo.tv slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's fubo.tv slash athletic. Start your first month today. I will say when he was in middle school, um, he was in, I think, sixth or seventh grade. Um, I went to pick him up from school and he hops in the car and he said, Mom, guess what? And I said, what? He said, "Um, I joined the ping pong club today. And I was like, oh, really? Well, where where are you going to play ping pong? (laughs) Because we didn't have a ping pong table. And so it turned out he was the champion. He ended up being the champion of the ping pong club by the end of the year. And he just got really, really good at it. So it was just kind of like, I'm like, well, gosh, you know, you just picked up a ping pong paddle and thought this is cool. And, you know, so that that's kind of fun and probably something people don't, yeah. um, don't know about him. That's Kelly, the mother of our player X. We knew we were close to revealing his identity, tantalizingly close. But we still wanted to know more about him. And we knew it all started with Kelly. You know, all of this is such a whirlwind, uh, especially probably for, for, but also for you as his mother. And I'm wondering if we can just start at the beginning. Um, as, you, as you think back across um, y'all's life and you start developing this really strong bond with your son and I think a lot of that comes through sport. I mean, you are the one taking him to practices. You are the one cheering him on, all your kids, and making sure that everybody is, you know, safe and fed and, and getting to, you know, point A, point B, point C. What what kinds of, of memories do you have of just, you know, as he is a kid and, and you guys are, you're just kind of watching him grow up? Um, lots of road trips, lots of travel sports. So we did uh, travel baseball a lot and then uh, branched off into for travel basketball, which a lot of times it was um, he and I or um, or the kid, the other two and, and all of us on these um, AAU basketball tournaments. And mm-hmm. um, so just we, we had a lot of car time and, you know, it was um, really important for me growing up. For, for me raising the kids that they all have a really, really um, strong bond with one another and that they just remain close no matter what. As a, as a mom, as you start to see those bonds develop, um, you know, w- what early stories can you remember of, of them and, and how they kind of seem to just have each other's back um, even as, at a very young age? You know, they just were, were always all together. Um, when they were younger, of course, then, you know, they get older, um, they, they would be each other's biggest fans and, um, they love, um, they love watching movies. So like Disney movies and, um, all of that, they, they, they actually, they know, um, all the words to the songs, like they'll have, uh, uh, <laughs> they'll have like, uh, you know, they'll be like in the car, mom, and they'll, you know, guess what song this is? Guess what movie this goes to? And of course my brain is, I'm like, I have no idea what movie that goes to, unless it's something really, really, you know, from the jungle book, you know, that, that I heard a gazillion times, but, um, but they know them all. They know all the words they have the, um, the stuff on their, you know, on their phones, in their music, um, 
so I think, you know, just watching a lot of movies, we, we just did a lot of stuff together. Kelly, you, you mentioned kind of your, your even keel uh, demeanor. Did, did that extend to being a spectator when, when your kids play? Were you, were you a calm parent watch, watching games or are you a little excitable? It depends. <laughs> I can be excitable, um, but I probably would never be that parent where my kid is like looking at me from the field going, mom, stop. <laughs> you know, you have to calm down. You know, I'll, I'll be excited and, um, you know, cheering when they do something good. And, you know, but I'm also, I, I'll, I'll also say, you know, you should have caught that or what happened <laughs> with that or... <laughs> You know, where, where, did you hear the defender coming or, you know, even with Colin and catching, I'll, you know, I'll say, um, was that a wild pitch or a pass ball or, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I, you know, I've, I'm their biggest fan, but also I'm, I'm real with them too. Like if I think there's things they need to improve on, I, I will tell them, you know, maybe you should try working on this. They don't always take my advice. They usually do in the end. <laughs> they circle back to it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really, I mean, j- jumping up and down, like when he scores a touchdown or, you know, when Colin throws someone out at second or whatever, but, um, but um, it's funny how when you're in the stands and you're a parent and people don't know that you're the parent, just listening to the regular diehard fans mm-hmm. in the stands, you're just like, wow, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you, you know, you don't know anything about this person and you've just, you know, called them all kinds of names, not, not, but, you know, just even being, being protective like that over the other players too. And it's, it's kind of crazy. I never really realized, like I'm my kids fan, big, biggest fan, but I can't imagine being just a diehard fan if I didn't have a connection to who was on the field. So, he was a multi-sport guy, huh? That's a clue. Another big one? He's the oldest of three. That was a full house for Kelly. Lots of lunches to pack. Kelly, is it a competitive family. I mean, when you when you're talking about athletes and in, in your family, I, I know that even even the best of, of sibling relationship sometimes gets competitive and things like that. But but what was it like in that household uh, with with those kids? You know, they um well they weren't really competitive with their sister because she was a competitive dancer. So that kind of took that out of the, out of the mm-hmm. out of the competitiveness. Um, but <laughs> the boys growing up, they played baseball together, and every other year they were on the same team. So um, Colin was always a catcher and was a pitcher or first baseman and sometimes outfielder. So Mm -hmm. they had a really good camaraderie playing together. And then, um, so they they weren't really super competitive. I think probably, you know, could hit home runs at the, you know, blink of an eye. And, um, you know, Colin, he, he was just such a, he was more of like a get that hit that, you know, drove in the runs or the, you know, get an RBI or get on base or, you know, that kind of competition. But then once uh, made his um, decision to not play baseball and play uh, football, basketball and football. um, Well, first he went no baseball, all basketball, and then surprised me with uh, football Mm -hmm. his junior year. (laughs) 
Um, I was like, oh, what? okay, well, this is a switch. But so they, they didn't really have a lot to be competitive about. They were more supportive than competitive. What was your reaction when tells you, I want to play football? And then, I mean, there, I think, you know, obviously any parent, there'd be a little concern there. I'm sure initially, because it it is such a contact sport, but then watching him and thinking, oh my gosh, like he's really, he's really talented. Right. Um, Well, so this is usually how it goes with my kids. Um, (laughs) Mom, um, I have to get up at 6am tomorrow and it's summer. And growing up, I always would like when during school, I always made sure they had a hot breakfast. And so I said, why are you getting up at 6am? And he said, well, I have to go do workouts. And I said, they have the basketball players doing the football player workouts. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to play football this year. <laughs> oh, really? Well, okay. Um, but why? You know, and he said, because they've always been after him to play football. And his, his work, you know, he was always, I'm going to focus on basketball. I'm going to focus on basketball. And um, he said, I don't want to graduate from high school without knowing what high school football is like. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fair enough. As long as they're not following you around the school, pestering you into playing that, and that this is truly mm-hmm. your decision. And then I followed it with, I'm not going to wake you up every morning at six <laughs> this summer. I get to have a summer too. And he's like, no, no, I'll do it. And he, he was so dedicated. He, he did it. He, he just poured himself into it. And um, I was so proud of him for that because, you know, Tennessee summers are no joke for mm-hmm. for football um, practice. I mean, they're hard for playing baseball, um, but he he just he just really dove right in and committed himself 100 percent. And he had he had a lot to learn because he mm-hmm. really, you know, most of the kids in Tennessee and usually in the South, they've been playing football since they were five. And so for him to go from, you know, baseball, basketball, now to football, and it's not like he wasn't around it. So he wasn't mm-hmm. not familiar with it, but, you know, he didn't know what what was offense and what was defense and, you know, like what the certain positions were that each person would have to play. Sure, he could play it on Madden, but that's a little different. <laughs> Looks like our player X, a Tennessee native, only started playing football in high school. What a steep learning curve. And I have to admit, I was impressed. As he's learning, were there ever moments of, of frustration where you kind of had to talk to him a little bit and say, you know, push through, push through, and this is kind of how you overcome things, and this is how you work through problems? You know what? He's just he's just always been so dedicated. And mm-hmm. they are, all of my kids are... Um, very strong willed and very like, I never had to say, did you do your homework? Or I never had to get on them about their grades or, you know, it's time for practice. Like they were ready going, mom, it's time to go. You know, like they were always just had just going, going all the way in. And I mean, I did probably like his senior year, he'd be like, I'm so tired. And I'm like, I promise it's never going to be like this again. You're, you're, if, when you go to college, you're not going to play offense and defense. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get to pick a side, but you know, he learned a lot, you know, about that, but mm-hmm. never, like he never, he never deviated from his 
plan. What about the recruiting process then? Because I guess at some point it kind of clicks with everybody that, hey, uh, you know, pretty good at football. (laughs) And, uh, you know, obviously schools start sniffing around and all of that. Uh, What was that process like? I I know he didn't go too far away from home, but uh, what what was it like to to have him go away to school and and to have him be a college football player? Um, It was it was a process for sure. And, you know, one, to be honest, um, that, that he kind of managed and, um, on his own because the, uh, recruiters don't go through the parents. They, um, Twitter message the, the kids. And so I never even knew about half the offers that he got. And, you know, he just get, would get so much mail to the school and to the house and, um, you know, and that, that dead, um, they had like a, an hour or two where the coaches could call and it was almost always during dinner. <laughs> so, you know, he'd be like, I got to take this call mom. It's from a coach, you know? And so like, he'd go off and he'd talk to the coaches <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he's just a really, he's a really loyal kid. And in, in that when Purdue offered him, it was kind of funny, actually, he called me and he said, Hey mom. Purdue just offered me. And I said, for what? (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) like for basketball or for football or, you know, and he's like a full football scholarship. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's amazing. But it just, it, it hits you. Like they offered you like, cause we just started this. We didn't have very long in the recruiting process. Whereas some people are in that recruiting process since their freshman year. You know, so it just, it went by really fast. And, um, you know, when I went Mm -hmm. on his uh, visit, we took him, I took him up there for a camp over the summer and um, between his junior and senior year. And um, when they offered him, he, he kind of, you know, still entertained and and talked to the other coaches and stuff. But, you know, when he did commit, I said, um, why did you um, commit to Purdue? so early on. And he said, mom, they were the first ones to believe in me. And I said, well, I've always told you guys, you go where you're wanted. Hold the phone. This is our biggest clue yet. Our player X went to Purdue. Of course, then we got there and it was like, oh my word. Mm-hmm. There's no one at these games. <laughs> the, the stadium <laughs> is empty. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because you're like, <laughs> you're like, you know, when you go to the games, you're like looking left and right. And you're like, well, I'm glad we showed up. <laughs> right. And so, and that was one of the things that I told him. I said, you know, I don't think you should really commit until you go to a game and have a game experience and see what it's like. See what is the the hype or whatever. And he's, you know, and he was just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, and so, you know, we that was actually my first ever um, college football game to go to was his first college football game. So that was fun. Um, and then they, um, he dressed out and traveled his whole freshman year. So of course, what do I do? I'm driving up and up and down the road to every home game. And then at the end of the season, they're like, Oh, that was your red shirt year. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Cause the hotels are not cheap in college football towns. So so we did it again, you know, his second year and, you know, he, he's really, he, he has really impressed me. I mean, he's very, very intelligent and very smart, mm-hmm. but you know, he had five different 
tight end coaches. Wow. In five years. He had three different coaches, Hazel, and then his interim coach was Parker and then um, Brom. And, you know, so it's it was really a big adjustment for him kind of every year to figure out, all right, are they going to use me? Are they not going to use me? Are they, you know, so um, he's, he's done a great job. At this point, I knew exactly who Player X is, but I just couldn't stop listening to Kelly talk about her son. After a life spent on the road, chasing down these most serious of mysteries, something about hearing their family was soothing to the soul. I'd never admit that to my detectives, though. So you go essentially from, I don't know what the number of years here, I'm going to say maybe four years from, hey, mom, I'm going to play football to, hey, we can start thinking about the NFL draft. Um, I mean, what at what point did you start to think, you know what, this could hear name called um, on an NFL draft someday? Yeah, it, um, you know, he, he did, he got, he got a lot of attention, um, started getting a lot of attention. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, he would always say, Mom, you know, don't get too excited. And, uh, you know, just we, we got to stay humble. It's his thing, you know, to me, because I'll, I'll post on Facebook, like, I'm so proud of him. And he's like, Mom, take it down a notch. You know, not everybody gets to play college football. There's some moms out there who wish their kids were playing college football. I'm like, but they're not my kids. I'm not bragging. I'm not, I'm not like throwing it in their face. I'm like, you know, yay, look, look how good he's doing. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm being your fan. So, um, yeah, he, he just, he, it, it was, it was a, the process was crazy, but just kind of like his whole college recruiting process. It just kind of went from there to, oh, it's really happening. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really happening. And then COVID came and, um, that was, you know, such a crazy time. And, um, but I believe honestly that in the end that he, he ended up where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think he feels the same way. Mm-hmm. When, when did it start to really hit you? Like, when did it really feel real? Because even when you're seeing it happen virtually, like you see his name up on your TV, you get the phone call, any of those moments, did it just start to hit you and really sink in? Like, oh my gosh, my son has achieved this. We as a family have achieved this. Um, probably on draft day. Mm-hmm. When, when, you know, when you do hear his name called and you hear him on the phone with the coaches and, you know, you see that go across the screen. It's, it's, you know, it's real that day, like really real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you just go, wow. What's it been like so. having him now? Obviously he's kind of kept uh, your home, I guess, as his base here uh, for the last uh, a few months. I, he said he's, uh, he's been grateful for the cooking and, and all of that, but uh, has it been kind of a unique experience? I mean, you guys are quarantined and he's trying to prepare for his rookie year and and all of that. I I can't imagine it's been kind of conventional. Yeah, we actually, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because you, you, uh, for me as a mom, I went from having a house full of kids to, you know, kind of within a matter of four years, they were all gone and out of the house, you know, and they come back every now and then, but like um, would only be home for just a little bit, uh, maybe a month, maybe two, three, weeks Mm -hmm. in the summer because he'd have to be right back for summer um you know 
programs and stuff. And then my middle one, Colin, he always played summer baseball. So he was never really home. And um, Gentry, you know, was back and forth and, you know, all around. And then you go to, all right, now you have three full-time people in your house eating and drinking and <laughs> making messes. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, and then uh, we, I just got married last September. So it's like, that's all new too mm -hmm. for us and for, for him. And so, but it was, it was really, really great. And, you know, I'm really, really thankful because that we're never going to have that back. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're coming to such a point in their lives where they are all really, truly about to be dispersed. You know, who knows where you're not in control of where you go. Um, so it was really, it was, it was really awesome kind of being able to have them home again as, you know, young adults and quarantining and being stuck in the house together. So we, we enjoyed it. Kelly, I want to get into a little bit more of your journey as well, because I mean, for a long time, I mean, you were carrying such a load of, of raising these kids and these like Yes, they seem like they're super kids. I mean, in terms of, you know, you don't have to get on them for homework or anything like that. But um, you are carrying this and, and so much of it. And, and what was that like for you? You know, it was just um, a one day at a time kind of thing. And you just kind of go, all right, what's today look like? And I'm a planner and an organizer. So that was kind of hard. But pretty much when they're when they're younger, you can you can you can plan it. You don't really have a lot of stuff that kind of gets you know, thrown in the road for you to, you know, navigate. Um, and then once they got older and they started all their different kind of travel stuff, that was really hard. Um, sometimes I'd have to, you know, go one place and not be able to be another place. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, it was, you know, just, it, it's just something that you're supposed to do. Like I'm their mom. I, that, that's just what I, what I did. I guess I didn't, I didn't question it. It wasn't like ever like I have a, when I, when I know when they were younger, like I'd be getting, getting them all ready for school. And that, you know, that can be a little challenging, but there was a lady that her kids went to elementary school with my kids and she had, she was married, but she had seven children. So whenever uh, under the age of like all in elementary school and um, I, I would always be like, okay, Kelly, you have nothing to complain about. You only have three. You can do this. <laughs> She's got like, I could, I would think about what her, what her daily lunch making ritual must look like. You know? <laughs> so it, it kind of had people around me that kind of made it what I was doing look easy compared to what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And this is such a, and I know this isn't unique to you, but you know, that we don't know whether fans are going to be allowed in, in stadiums this year. And, and there's so many, you know, moms, parents, family members, siblings, or whatever, who want to experience that, that first NFL game. Um, what's, what's that going yeah. to be like for you? I, I'm sure you'll get the, the Sunday ticket and all that, but it was a little, a little disappointing to think that, that you might not be able to see it. It is very disappointing. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just, you know, remain hopeful that they'll, they'll figure out a solution. Um, I mean, didn't NASCAR have like a certain amount of fans mm -hmm. that everybody spaced out and, you know, maybe they, they do something like that. Um, and it is a shame that the Rams stadium will be 
not full of fans um, probably this year, but we, uh, I told my husband, we have our tickets for to be there for his first game. And um, he said, well, what if he doesn't play? And I said, well, I still want to be there when he comes off the field. Like he still has a game to play to, to go on that first time, you know, walk out on that NFL field. And so we'll probably be at his house watching it or, you know, a restaurant or someplace if just depends on, you know, how that all plays out. But, um, well, we'll be there. Um, and we'll, we'll, plus the weather's way, way nicer out in California. Yeah. <laughs> well, if there's anything, if there's anything we can take from, uh, the woman who, drove to all of her son's games dur- during what turned out to be a red shirt season. Um, it's yeah. that you will find a way to be there. <laughs> that is for certain. Well, at this point, we know two things for certain. One, the identity of player X. Two, that moms are the best. What a journey this has been. I told my detectives I'd connect with player X later. First, I gotta go call my mom. Mom! That was episode three of Gridiron Gumshoes presented by 11 Personnel. We are so much closer to discovering the identity of Player X. You know, we've heard some great guesses so far, Rich, but we are still not going to tell you if you were correct or not. That's right. The big reveal will be happening soon and uh, very exciting. We've had some great insight from from a number of people here. Really enjoyed this, Jordan. And uh, the big reveal will come soon. And and until then, we encourage everybody to uh, continue to check out Jordan's great work on The Athletic. Excited to get closer to training camp, get closer to the start of the season, and uh, appreciate all the support. You can always uh, get us at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel. If you haven't signed up, go get a great deal because you don't want to miss all of Jordan's great coverage this season. Rich, you're too nice to me, and we love a great discount. That's right. 